Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 414, March Gamer Madness, listeners' top 64 games. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, friends, we are back and we are talking about your top games of all time. Anthony, we put together a list. Tell us about this list and how we got it together. Yeah, yeah. So we, every year in the fall, we ask our listeners to tell us what their top 10 games are, and we build a top 20 list out of that. Um, the The plus side of this is that we have a ton of data um, that we can use. So it's, you know, there, we build a top 20, but honestly, we have like a top 100 if we need it. Yes. Um and we put up a poll for our Patreon backers asking, like, what should we do for the bracket this year? And one of the options was looking at the top 64 games that our listeners gave us back in November mm-hmm. and ranking them and then running through that list and discussing, you know, what we like and what they like and where that lands and where that historically lands in terms of, of, of what they enjoy. And that's what we have. That was the top vote getter. Um, and uh, so we've put together a bracket with the top 64 from that list um, that is submitted to us every year. So you already know what the top 20 are if you listen to our episode back in November. Um, But there's 44 more beyond that, and we're going to run them off in a bracket. Excellent. Again, we like to put these lists together for all the fun that, you know, throwing a bunch of board games at each other can bring. And again, what's the best thing to do? Take the best list of all the games that you love, throw them in a match, see what comes out at the end, and the cardboard rules. 
So we'll be having our March Gamer Madness this week and next week. But before we get into all that, Anthony, as you know, and hopefully all our friends out there know, we'll be at a convention upcoming. So we'll be at the Long Island Tabletop Gaming Expo 2023. And this is coming up really quick. So if you're in the area or if you want to travel out to the area, we'd love to have you there. It's on March 18th and 19th at the Cradle of Aviation in Garden City, New York. That's New York uh, in particular, Long Island, New York. And again, I think it's going to be a really fun time. Looks like a great convention. Two days of a lot of fun gaming. And in particular, Anthony and I and our friends from Board Gamers Academics is going to be bringing multiple presentations throughout the weekend. So first off, we are doing Board Game Academics, uh, Practical Applications of Tabletop Gaming in Higher Education. So there's going to be a panel of educators, counselors, and advisors talking about the practical applications of gaming in colleges and universities. So if you ever wanted to see and hear and experience what happens to board games when they get to college or get their college degree, maybe take out a lot of loans. I mean, we're used to as board gamers. This is the, the opportunity for you to listen to all the great experiences that happen at that college level. Next, we're going to be doing gaming across the spectrum. So board gaming, as we know, tabletop gaming, role play gaming, dexterity gaming, all that kind of great gaming does a lot of good for us as a social engagement, but also helps our mental health, our relationships and builds communities. So again, we are partnering with Geek Therapeutics and Guardian Mental Health to talk about all the benefits of tabletop gaming and how they can benefit us personally and socially. And finally, on Sunday, we're going to be having a live podcast. So if you ever wanted to be part of the BGA group on the ground, you can be as part of that big, huge live activity. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to be doing a live episode with participation, with raffles, prizes, gifts. We're not sure. It's going to be a whole ton of stuff. And we're really excited to be able to do this. And we'd love to have you all there. All right. With that said, Anthony, you got a giant list. Let's hit it. All right. So uh, in the past, we've broken this list up by all sorts of different categories. You know, we've done our favorite Kickstarters. We've done our favorite theming. We've done our favorite components and um, all these different things. This time it is a list of your favorite games. So I've broken them into completely nondescript categories. <laughs> East, West, South and Midwest, because that's what they do uh, in the basketball tournament. Um, but I've seeded them effectively based on where they landed in our ranking. So the top four games are our one seeds, the top, the five through eight are our two seeds, so on and so forth. Uh, and that's how they're matched up. So if you hear a matchup and you're like, that doesn't seem right that that's a two seed and that's a 15 seed. Well, just keep in mind, these are the rankings you gave us. (gasps) They did. I didn't rank these. You ranked these. This is, (laughs) this is your doing, not my doing. That's Anthony's legal disclaimer for everybody out there. I think it's a great list. It's an N64 list, and N64 is the best console anyway, so why not? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, first up, starting with the first bracket we have, number one, Terraforming Mars. This was the overall number one seed, had the most votes, won our bracket, or won our list back in uh, November, against number 16, Architects of the West Kingdom. All right, well, two great games. Uh, Games about cards on tables, games about building up little tableaus. 
I, I, I think as far as these two games are concerned, both are good. Uh, for me, Terraforming Mars does it a little bit better. Does it a little more, you know, a little more, you know, snowballing kind of fashion, building things up, hits a crescendo. Yeah, I'm going to go with Terraforming Mars. Yeah, I think so, too. I mean, it is the number one overall for a reason. Um, it's hit top 10 for both of us. Architects is a lot of fun, but it's one of those games that wore a little bit for me. Sure. After a few plays. Haven't played with the expansions. There are multiple expansions, which obviously give it more legs, but Terraforming Mars for me as well. All right, so Terraforming Mars moves on to the next round. Number eight is Lisboa versus number nine, Tapestry. Ooh. <laughs> so I don't know how much we need to say about this one because it's a pretty easy one on our side. And I, I appreciate that y'all love Tapestry. I've never gone back to it with the expansions, which by all accounts are great. But Lisboa is a top 25 game and Tapestry, I did not rate well in my review, if we all remember. I like Tapestry better than you do. I would love to try the expansions out because I'm hopeful that the game is better with them. But Lisboa just honestly does that multi-card building development system better. And while Tapestry is a civilization game, you're kind of building up a civilization in Lisboa from that destruction up until the New Ages. So Lisboa actually does civilization building better. So Lisboa moves on to the next round. All right, uh, next up, we have number five, Orleans, against the second instance of Terraforming Mars on this list, Ares Expedition. Ooh. Bag building versus the card version of our number one seed. This is really hard. Smaller card version. (laughs) I always say card version, but Terraforming Mars has 600 cards. So it has a bigger board. Boardless. (laughs) No, it still has a board. Still has a board. (laughs) The Race for the Galaxy version. How about that? There you go. Both good games. Really hard to say. I mean, the Ares Expedition is my favorite version of Terraforming Mars. Orleans kind of brought in that bag building. I mean, other games have since kind of expanded it. Uh, Both games are very good. Kind of hard to pick a winner, so to speak. Ooh, this this is a rough one for me, Anthony. I'm, I'm not sure where to go on this. Let's see. If I'm going to compare the two, which one do I want to get to the table more often than not? I'm going to go with Terraforming Mars, the Ares Expedition. I think that just has seen more table time for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Um, not as hard of a one for me. Orleans is not a game that really ever clicked super well with me. Mm. Um, I appreciate it. I like the design. I think it's very clever. I like a lot of the expansion mechanics. It just, I never, I don't know. I didn't gel with it enough. Like I owned it for a while. I got rid of it. I, I've moved on. <laughs> Maybe I don't like bag building. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Ares Expedition is great. All right. Well, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition moves on to the next round. Um, all right. Uh, next up, we have an all-time classic. Number four seed is Pandemic. Just all Pandemic. Um <laughs> Well, that's the thing you, about pandemic. It's it spreads. It's everything. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Despite the variants. Uh, so if you if you listen to our top 20 list when we do this, mm-hmm. um, there are some games and game systems that I have to consolidate a little bit because I'll get like 30 different different versions of pandemic thrown in. Um, this is everything pandemic that isn't pandemic legacy. I do keep that separate because it's sure. a different enough experience. Um, there are a few others that it's going to come up for as well, where there's just multiple versions and someone's like, I like this, but this specific version, I'm like, mm. yeah, I'm just going to mark you down for this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Concordia ticket to ride. There's a couple others, but pandemic, all the pandemics. 
uh, against number 13, Great Western Trail, which I guess has multiple versions now, too. But when we ran this poll, it was still just the first one. Yeah, multiple versions of or re-implementations of the same game, but they both have the same underlying mechanics to it. Uh, I mean, again, tough competition, both top tier games. I'm going to go with Pandemic. I think the if I have to boil it down to all of the games in the Pandemic and all the games in the Great Western Trail, I think the mechanics of Pandemic are better. And I think that's an achievement um, right in and of itself. Yeah, it's <laughs> it just becoming a boring episode if we agree with each other every time. Um <laughs> And, and I like Pandemic more than you, so I guess that, that even speaks to it further. Um, Great Western Trail is an interesting experience, and I enjoyed it the first couple of times I played it. But similar to Orleans, it just didn't click for me mm. the same way it has for so many people. Um, I'll play it if someone puts it out, but it's not something I, I track down or own anymore. Uh, Pandemic, I own several versions of. I think it's a brilliant game system, and I use it in teaching, and my kids like it. Um, so yeah, for me, it's Pandemic as well. All right, so the Pandemic moves on to the next round. All right, uh, next up, number three, Everdell, mm-hmm. which has just rocketed up the charts in recent years. One of the top games of all time. Um, against number 14, Russian Railroads. Ooh. Uh, Alternate Railroads was not out yet at the time, so nobody put that in there, but I would probably just lump that in. <laughs> so, all the railroads. All, all the railroads. railroads go in there, just like every expansion goes in there for Everdell. A lot of critters, a lot of little cities. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll go first here. I think Everdell is... A fantastic experience. I love that tree. I love the little animals. I love everything it does um, visually, and it really attracts people to the table. Uh, the children's version is amazing. My daughter loves it. But Russian Railroads is one of my all-time favorites. Uh, as a worker placement game, just that steamrolling, building, constantly rolling down the hill. I know some people don't love that, but I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. And then when you throw in expansions and you throw in all the extra stuff, and now that people can actually get all that stuff if they want to spend enough money... It's easy to recommend it. Um, so I'm going to go with Russian Railroads. Yeah, I think if we didn't include all the expansions, and there's a lot of expansions, and there's a lot of re-implementations of the same game, it probably would be Everdell. But I think, as you mentioned, the system that is Russian Railroads is unique. And I think it's still very unique. I, I don't think I've seen a game like Russian Railroads. I mean, there's elements of it in other games. But I think it's a very unique system where you're building up that route or you're building up, I guess, in a lot of ways you could say tracks in order to uh, gain bonuses and special abilities. But I don't think anyone has a better track system. And I don't mean that as, as in like railroad systems, because certainly there's a lot of other games, but as, as you're going up those, or I guess horizontally, you're, you're unlocking and scoring a lot of things. I think it's a lot of fun. So yes, I'm going to go with Russian railroads as well. Ooh, man, we're just on the same page today. Uh, <laughs> All right, so Russian Railroads on moves on to the next round. All right, uh, next up we have a Mind Clash off. Uh, Anachrony at number six versus Tricarion at number 11. What do you think? It's going to be Tricarion for me. Of all the Mind Clash games out there, and it's just the one that really does something unique in a way that I, I find fun because it's that magic system where you do the worker placement, but you can charge up your, your, you know, your assistants out there to do a lot more of an activity or to be in a position to even do that activity. The expansion allows you to get apprentices out there to um, turn that kind of recipe system 
upside down. So instead of just like, well, I got these recipes, they're just not really helpful. But now you can actually benefit by them by teaching them over in the school. So I think it's so thematic that even though you do have the time travel system in the other place, I think this one just it gels more with the theme. Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with any of that, but I do love me some anachrony. It's one of those weird games that I I'm not very good at. I just consistently, I, I lose, but I always have fun <laughs> playing it. Um, Tricarion, I enjoyed it the couple of times I've played it, but it's somehow even more overwhelming to set up and maneuver through than anachrony. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to go with anachrony. All right, let me give you let me let me let me uh, go with a little bit of tiebreaker here, Anthony. Which one does the expansions better? Because both of these games have a lot of expansions. I have not played any of the Tricarion expansions oh. because the rule book is obscene and it takes too long to learn. Um, <laughs> I've played the first couple of expansions for Anachrony, um, including just an absolutely brilliant solo expansion. Um, one of the best in terms of how that flowchart operates and runs you through it. Uh, so I don't know. I don't. I guess I'm not the best one to answer that because I've never done the Tricarion expansions. Ah. Well, what do we do then? Well, we go to the the listeners who have been participating in our contest um, over on Facebook. So every year we run a contest. We put up a bracket. We let people pick what they think is going to win. And then if we get stuck at an impasse like this, we we go to that bracket and we look to see which of these games has gotten the most votes. So for this one, Ed. Probably this is just accessibility. Tricarion is not a game you see anywhere, but Anachrony does have more votes. Oh, I know. <laughs> um, I, I just, but I'm just thinking about that as I look at this. I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Tricarion like on a shelf anywhere. It's on my shelf, <laughs> like in a game store, though, right? Like, sure, in it for sale. I see Anachrony all over the place. All right. Well, Anachrony moves on to the next round. All right, uh, next up we have number seven, Too Many Bones versus number 10, War of the Ring, second edition. <laughs> uh, um, okay, we could talk about it, I guess. <laughs> I have both games. I like both games quite a, quite a lot. And both games are great to get to the table. Again, you have that medieval theming and you have both of that epic gameplay and all of the, the tokens and figures and the high quality production. But again, if I have to play one or pick one at a table, and there are two tables there, it's War of the Ring, second edition. Yeah, <laughs> that's easy. Um, I don't even like too many bones. So for me, this is very easy. So War of the Ring, all day. I do. All right. War of the Ring, second edition moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have, honestly, possibly a little bit harder of a one um, than it should be. Uh, Castles of Burgundy at number two and Marvel United at oh number 15. <laughs> Do you want to do you want to just make that decision based on how much money we spent on either game? Because honestly, it's kind of close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, for me at least, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Castles of Burgundy is Stefan Feld's best game, in my opinion, Ooh. to the point where I just spent two hundred something dollars <laughs> on every fancy version. Um, and I spent two hundred something dollars on fancy versions of other games, and then I got them in, and they're not. It's it's, it's whatever. Queen games come up. <laughs> Come on. um come on queen games so that's a game i love and i would play that any day like it's it is the ultimate point salad but it's the most accessible point salad marvel united is just this big epic toy box of stuff right mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's a tough one though because I feel like if you just play the base version that you could get in the store, it's not great. It's fine. Sure. It's a light play. It's it's a interesting but not particularly engaging game. But we have to, um, we have to include all the expansions because we've been doing. Yeah, no, no, no. You include all the expansions, ninety five percent of which I haven't played. Then uh, yeah, it's <laughs> still an okay game with limitless potential. Well, to be fair, Castles of Burgundy did have a lot of expansions back in the day in the original edition. Remember all those different boards and then the little piece, you know, little pieces, little bags. There was like like eight or nine little mini kind of expansions. There's eleven. Eleven. Okay, there you go. Boards. See, they were all promos. So like when the game first came out, it was really hard to find them all. You had to go yes. to conventions and get them from Board Game Geek. And then they released their anniversary edition that had them all in there, but it was really ugly. And now they're releasing this super edition that has them all in there, and they're not ugly. So excited about Aww. them not being ugly anymore. <laughs> to be fair, the non-ugly edition is super expensive. So oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> you better like that game because it's a lot of money. Although to also be fair, the the promos, all eleven promos. By the time you bought all eleven promos, they were it cost more than the game. I've spent so much money on this stupid game. Like Same. Same. the original edition was like twenty bucks on Amazon. For a long time, you could get it. The ugly one from Alea. 20 bucks for one of the greatest games. Great deal. Each of those promos was 5 to $10. Yes. That's another $50 plus, yep. 75 Same. on top of Same. it. Same. <laughs> then the second edition, which was another 50 because that wasn't 20 anymore. Didn't buy that one. <laughs> uh, and then the new one that, if you got everything, was like 300 something. I did not get everything. So it was like 200 <laughs> Um. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of money on this game. But I'm I'm not unhappy to have spent it. Marvel United, there's like this creeping shame at the amount of money I've spent on that game. <laughs> I'm <laughs> creeping, okay. Let's 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 say I say it's obvious in, in front of our faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna go with Castles of Burgundy mm-hmm. just because it is a, it is like a top twenty game for me. Um, I like both though. Yeah, if, again, they, they both have a lot of a lot of stuff and a lot of things to offer and great mechanics. The greatest mechanic is Castles of Burgundy. And again, I think, you know, Marvel United gets by a lot with the IP, which is not a bad thing, but it does. I have to admit that it does. So Castles of Burgundy moves on to the next round. All right. So that is our first bracket, 1 through 16. Um, just reminders, we Woot! have Terraforming Mars, Lisboa, Terraforming Mars, Ares Expedition, Pandemic, Russian Railroads, Anachrony, War of the Ring 2nd Edition, and Castles of Burgundy. We'll move on for the next episode Ooh, uh, the, the suspense rest of these rounds um some interesting matchups in there for sure yeah so moving on to the west bracket because again really arbitrarily named brackets here um we have number one <laughs> arc nova this was the number two pick from our list of this game yeah sounds <laughs> familiar big said sliced bread um mm-hmm. versus number 16 twilight struggle Ooh. So we have a one-time uh, number one on Board Game Geek versus uh-huh. a potential future number one on Board Game Geek. What do you think? Mm. Both great games. Um, both, again, like you said, Arc Nova is quickly moving up to classic status, where Twilight Struggle already owns kind of classic status. Oh, man, this is a rough one. If I had both games and I had two different tables, where am I playing? Mm-hmm. They're about the same length. You're probably playing them both at two players because Arc Nova is terrible at three and oh four my players. God, that's true. <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to go Arc Nova because bunnies and squirrels and kangaroos and, you know, 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if I need a tiebreaker, it's hard because they're they're both they're both again, like I said, they're both classic games. Yeah, it's tough because like my heart says, oh, you should pick Twilight Struggle because I love that game and I, I think I do like it more than Ark Nova. But then I remember that I don't own Twilight Struggle anymore and I do own Ark Nova. Ooh, I got rid of Twilight Struggle because I have so many other big long two player games. Yes. Um, if I want to play something political, I'm going to play 1960, which I think is uh, a better game. It, I, yeah, I think so too. Um, so I'm going to go with Ark Nova as well, just based on that one piece of evidence. <laughs> so uh, All I right. own it. I own most of the games on this list. Some of them I've gotten rid of, and that usually makes the decision easier. Ark Nova moves on to the next round. All right. Number eight is PAX Premier Second Edition mm-hmm. versus number nine, your favorite game of all time, <laughs> Isle of Cats. No. Why? <laughs> why did you all do this to me? No. <laughs> all right. You talk for a minute. I'm going to look up if Isle of Cats won the user bracket because <laughs> that will determine which game I pick. All right. Look. I still have not played Isle of Cats. I'm open to playing Isle of Cats at like, I don't know, the billion dollar, you know, pledge on Patreon. <laughs> but beyond that, let's be honest. The other game is better. I'm just saying. You know, and I, I, I think that's one of the things that we do miss out on. I mean, again, there's always there's always great games. There's always great games to go to the table. And I'm not saying that Isle of Cats is not a, a good game. I don't know, maybe even a great game because I still have not played. So I'm, I'm reserving judgment here, Anthony. But I'm, you know what I'm picking. So I'm going to leave that to you and to our listeners. So uh, I'll, I'll just say for a minute, I love PAX Premier Second Edition. I think it's a brilliant game. And what Cole really is. did with that to upgrade it and make it accessible in a way the first edition absolutely was not is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's, I, lo- I want to say one more thing, Anthony, about that too, which is, that's if you've not played that game and and understandably if you look at the theme you might be like that's not a theme for me on any level but if you just sit down and play that it's it's a surprisingly engaging game i mean it really is oh my gosh yeah yeah and you wouldn't think it because the game the score in that game is often like i won four to one you know (laughs) you don't score very many points you don't um isla cats is just silly stupid fun though and you don't have to love cats because I don't even love cats. I yeah, you cats. do. No, you got I don't. two cats. You got two cats. Yeah, because we have mice. Yeah, That's... I've seen you. I've seen you pet the cats on on on, yes, on camera. People, people pet cats when they have cats Come because on, they like them. Nah, nah, nah. They they have parasites. They get in your brain. <laughs> Um, well, it would explain the, the, the cat ears you're, you're wearing right now. Oh, come on. <laughs> don't go there. Um, I like cats is great, though. It's it's a lot of fun. It's polyominoes, but it in implements like this drafting mechanic that makes it more engaging. It's like seven wonders plus patchwork, right? Uh, I'm going to go with Isle of Cats. Oh, I, no. <laughs> because if you put both of these in front of me, while I say Pax Premier is an amazing game, I would probably want to play Isle of Cats in that moment because I got to be in the right mood and be playing with the right people to play Pax right. Premier. Um, <laughs> and, I mean, if you're there, we're not playing Isle of Cats. That's fine. But anybody else... <laughs> Oh come on! Pax Premier Second Edition is not a bad game. Come on, we're not we're not throwing it under the bus. No, no. Um, all right. So I counted these up while you were talking, and it's about as even as it gets. Uh, we had about fifty five percent of the votes went for Pax Premier Second Edition. So there I went with, I went with Cats anyways, but uh, it was very close, closer than I thought it would be. <laughs> so. You're just saying that because you live with cats. I don't know, man. It 
you know, you, an allergy is not a good enough reason to dislike cats. <laughs> All right. Number five. All right, so. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Max <laughs> Premier, the second edition, moves on to the next round. All right. So then we move on to the next matchup. Number five, Quacks of Quedlinburg versus number 12, Zolkin, the Mayan calendar. Oh, no. <laughs> Uh, this is, again, another really tough one. Two radically different mechanics. I, I do love bag building, bag drafting, so, so to speak. Uh, Zulkin's is amazing. The worker displacement and how they move around. I mean, it's it's a classic game. I mean, Quacks has just exploded on, on the market. Again, uh, uh, which one do I want to play? <laughs> which one do I want to play? I want to play both at the same time. Oh, that. you can do that. Is that an expansion that brings them both? Two tables. There's a lot of downtime in Zulkin. So you just go over <laughs> and play Quacks while you're waiting for people to take your turn. <laughs> it's really true. And there's only like three major paths to victory in Zulkin. Like there's yeah. there's kind of hard line kind of thing. All right. I'm going to go the other way because, again, I, I think just for the sake of what do I want to play right now, I want to play Quacks. Yeah. I, I, same thing. That's exactly how I'm rating this. I love Zulkin. It's on my shelf right next to me. Um, I have quack, Quacks in the basement because it's not quite to that level of being next to me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's how I rate my games, by proximity. Um, but it's funny because like, I get to Zulkin and you say, oh, there's only three paths of victory. I'm like, oh, but there's a great expansion that opens that up. And I'm like, yeah, but there's really great expansions for Quacks too. There's two really yeah. good expansions. So, uh, And it's a game I can play with my family where Zulkin absolutely is not. So. Quack's Quack away. should not, honestly, Quack should not be this good of a game. No. Like, it, it should be a throwaway game. It should be like, oh, that was fun, and kind of throw it away. I'm like, this is really good. And then the expansions come out, and you're like, ha, ha, usually expansions are just like more of the same. It's like, no, this is even better. I'm like, all right, this is a real thing now. This is an alert. So, Quack's Quindlenburg, move on to the next round. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, we have number four, Root, versus number 13, Twilight Imperium fourth edition <laughs> wow this this came up really early <laughs> i know <laughs> this is not it's been an hour just on this yeah the joys of seating where the seating is based on where it landed in people's lists not on the actual like something more objective <laughs> sure I, I i guess i'll go first yeah go for it man. i think you're gonna have the hardest time with this but yeah i mean both are great games both offer those kind of immense tactical strategic planning and deception i mean it just it offers both of them both games offer every kind of experience that you can have in that kind of troops on a map kind of situation and root does it with a lot of asymmetrical gameplay and ti4 does it with a lot of you know, you build up your own tableau, you build up your own civilization, you build up the tech and stuff like that. Again, right on the line, I'm not sure, like two different tables, it's going to be TI4. It's just it's just more of an epic kind of experience. And I think, weirdly enough, it is a little more accessible. That's a funny thing to say. Um, I know. <laughs> I I can't. I don't think I can fully disagree with that because it is a game that is surprisingly easy to learn. It looks, um, looks harder than it is. Yeah, the rule book is 16 pages long. It's really yeah. not that complex. It's emergent. All the complexity is emergent. You really need to know the rules really well before you start playing mm -hmm. because if you don't, you're going to have a bad time. But if you know them well, the game flows pretty smoothly. 
Rude is kind of the opposite, where the game is relatively short, and you may not know the rules as well as you should the first time you play, and that's fine, as long as you know that. Um, and then that will emerge through multiple plays. So you have to be committed to get something out of Root. I love both of these games. They're both in my top 10. And I would play Twilight Imperium 4 anytime. As long as I have seven hours to kill, I would play it. Um, but I've played Root many more times because it is a 90-minute game versus a seven to eight hour game um and you can play with four instead of six so i have always rated root higher on my personal list um at least the last like four or five years and i have all the content and i'm always checking out the new stuff i play it solo things you can't do with twilight imperium um i'm aware of the kind of barriers to entry there but i think i think if you put them both down in front of me i would probably prefer to play root four times than play twilight imperium the once um, knowing that they're both relatively hard to get to the table because you got to get the right group of people who want to play. Sure, uh, That's the caveat, right? If Root with random people, no. <laughs> I'd rather play Twilight Imperium <laughs> with people I know. Um, but Root with the right group of people, then I'd rather do that. All right. Well, that leaves, leaves it up to our listeners, Anthony. All right. So searching my big spreadsheet, uh, <laughs> we have uh, getting about 50 65 percent of the vote here um root which wow. i don't even think that speaks to quality it's probably just more people have played root sure all it's, right well the, the king is dead root moves on to the next round yeah um all right next up we have concordia versus star wars rebellion oh no <laughs> yeah i'm gonna jump right in here this is an easy one for me it's star wars rebellion i love these big epic two-player experiences concordia is a brilliant game but it's never been much higher than like a, a strong play for me even though i own a bunch of it I love it. I'll play it, but it, I don't know. It, it doesn't blow my mind the way it does for some people. So Star Wars Rebellion blows my mind. Concordia has always been my favorite game that I do not own. And I own the app. And the only reason why I don't own Concordia is because my group has constantly played this game since it originally came out. And I've played all the expansion maps and I've played all the, the pieces to it. Star Wars Rebellion has been the epic Star Wars game of all epic Star Wars games. It, it kind of ranks up there for me with War of the Ring as far as experiences are concerned. Both games are great. Always want to play both games. Again, if I have both games at the table, Concordia is going to be easier to get to the table, but Star Wars Rebellion is going to be the game that I'm going to talk about afterwards. So Star Wars Rebellion moves on to the next round. Oh, I was kind of hoping you'd pick Concordia because it was a tie for the listeners as well. Oh, no. <laughs> and then we'd have to pull out a die, and I love doing that. Oh. <laughs> um, but evenly split, the listeners, exactly 50-50 on that one. That's crazy. All Makes right, sense. number six, Ticket to Ride. And remember, this is all the Ticket to Rides. Mm. Not included. What did I ex- exclude here? I think I excluded, like, rails and, and boats or whatever that big one was. But sure. all the ones using the basic mechanics, here, all the maps. Uh, number 11, Blood Rage. <laughs> so, do you want to rip the heads off of your enemies or go on a nice train ride? <laughs> My friend, I want to rage. Yeah, of course you do. <laughs> and yeah. you? Yeah, no, rage. All day rage. rage. I love Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride's great because it's like this... Again, a game system that's super mutable. I can I use it in my classroom. My students love it. My kids love it. I can play it with my wife. I can play it with friends, family, whatever. And I always have fun because it's like varying levels of complexity. You can like 
try to min-max it and score a bunch of points, or you can just like have a fun time and talk while you're playing. Blood Rage is just pure dumb fun, right? For gamers, because it's it's you've got the drafting, you've got the dudes on a map, you've got the, all the different ways that you can build up this asymmetrical powers and everything. The game is fundamentally broken, but in a fun way where you can just exploit the heck out of it and build this ridiculous combo. As long as people know that, it's a lot of fun. So yeah, Blood Rage all day. Yeah, I think the the one thing that kind of broke the Blood Rage way is the fact that what Ticket to Ride does best is accessibility. And surprisingly enough, Blood Rage does have that accessibility on on maybe a little bit of a higher level, but still has that accessibility. Like if you said right now, let's play Blood Rage, I know exactly what to do. And if you don't, the little player guide or whatever it is, is, is just all you need. There is not a level of complexity that you would find in any other miniatures on a map game. Right. All right. So blood rage moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up on the list, we have number seven barrage versus number 10 dominion. Wow. That's another tough one too. Barrage is just blown up. Once they got past, once they got past their production issues, I I think it's been a just tremendously heavy, deep, crunchy game. And Dominion is Dominion. Dominion is the classic game of all deck builders of all time, and with all the great expansions. If I had to play, if I had both at the table, surprisingly enough, I think the complexity of the expansions with Dominion puts it on top for me. Oh, oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, this is an interesting one. I I honestly have not played Dominion since Myriad. Oh, wow. So yeah, like and I played, nine years ago? <laughs> yeah, so long. Um, I've played plenty of deck building games. I own two different versions of this. I've relearned it and I've taught it to people, um, including students in my class who loved it. Um, I have no problem with the game. I just feel like whenever I want to play a deck building game, I want something with more around it. Deck building as a pure mechanic is not interesting to me. I want other stuff. So more complexity. Now you said the expansions with more complexity. I just haven't played those. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem then is that you got barrage, which is just like so complex. So we've got like a level one game and a level 10 game here. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I often want like level six. So, <laughs> um, but I think I am going to go with barrage uh, just because if you did put them both down and I've played barrage more because again, I've only played dominion a couple of times and it was years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I want more things going on in my head. Uh, whereas Dominion is just for the length of that game, hour plus, you just aren't doing much. You're just mm. cycling through the same actions. You gotta try the expansions, intrigue especially. I mean it's it's up there in the top fifty or less. It's it's so good. Yeah, no, I, I believe it. I just uh that's this is on me, guys. If you're yelling at your at your phones right now, it's it's my lack of experience with the game. All right, so that leaves it up to our listeners, Anthony. And what do they it, pick? It does. So with 68% of the vote, the listeners say Dominion is the better game here. Um, not surprising. And I probably agree on paper. I just would rather play Brush. <laughs> All right. So Dominion moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, number two, Lost Ruins of Arnak versus number 15, Hansa Teutonica. <laughs> so it's not going to be Arnak versus Dune? Is that we're not doing that? No. No, we're in Dune. <laughs> No, they they both have to be in the finals based on oh, how no. it is. Yeah, <laughs> almost, I mean, there's been so much talk about those games back to back that it's it's just like almost like they're the same game. So, 
uh, this again, classic game, Hansu Teutonica, own a copy, group gets it to the table a lot. Uh, Arnak, the new kid on the block, really just shot up the, you know, board game top 100 list. The expansion's great for it. And I think that's where I'm going to lean in there is that the expansion for Arnak is the asymmetry really lends itself to the thematic gameplay. And Hansa Teutonica has no, like Hansa Teutonica is the template of the dry Euro. So anytime anyone says like, hey, Euro games are really dry and they have no theme and it's just a thing. And and you're like, what are you talking about? That's the game they're talking about. It's not a bad game. It's just what they're talking about. 100%. I was going to say exactly that. Like, I've played Hansa Teutonica. I enjoyed it. I have a copy somewhere in the basement. I, it's, if you asked me to tell you what it was about, I couldn't for the life of me. I'm like, I don't know. There's a map and you put some stuff on it and then you score points from the stuff you put on the map. So that's what the game is. Lots of Ruins of Arnak. The theme is very clear. It comes yes. through strongly. It's, it's evocative. It's interesting. The expansions add to that. There's some lore to it if you really dig into it, which is yeah. kind of fun. Um, such a fun game so yeah that's definitely that one for me all right lost runes of arnak moves on to the next round all right so that's our west bracket uh just a quick recap we got arc nova pax premier second edition quacks of quedlinburg root star wars rebellion blood rage dominion and lost runes of arnak all moving on for the next episode all right uh so our southern bracket for reasons uh we've got (laughs) number one scythe versus Number 16, On Mars. <laughs> oh, I mean, again, Titans. Titans. Literally Titans. Titans of uh, Titans. of Titans. I so, know. These are both games that have won our Game of the Year award, by the way. They like, have. <laughs> 2016 and, and 2020, I believe. And they both, again, I know that you haven't played Fenris Expansion, yeah. But the Fenris expansion is amazing. And also on Mars expansion is amazing. I <laughs> like, know. <I> just, <laughs> just like, why is this a thing? I don't understand why this is a thing out there. And yet it is. Yeah. I don't know. I'll, I'll jump in with mine real quick, just because it's, it's fairly straightforward. Um, yeah. On Mars is brilliant, but incredibly complex. Yeah. I, I love it. But every time I play it, I have to relearn it. Yes. Uh, you know, three years after its release, I'm still relearning it. So that is a that is a barrier. Um, Scythe is pretty straightforward in how to play. You just I always forget the combat rules. The thing about Scythe, though, is it it really has kind of fallen down for me. And again, not having played Fenris, but the the game itself starts to feel samey, and it starts to feel like you're following the same kind of script sure. almost for the first mm-hmm. part of the game. I don't like how it ends. I don't like it in Brazil Imperial. I don't like it here. I don't like it in other games where the ending is dependent on somebody taking an action that they could withhold as long as they want. Drives you don't me like nuts. it, Sam? I am. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't like it. Um, it's. It's. I'm not gonna say it's a bad mechanic because it's there on purpose, but I don't like it. So I think it's. I honestly, I'll say it. I think it's a bad mechanic. Okay, good. Uh, I agree. It's a bad mechanic. <laughs> it's a bad mechanic. I'm sorry. I mean, um, he uses it in a lot of his games, and I get it, but I don't like it. I don't either, and I don't know why other games are copying it. It's just why are you doing that? It's yeah. not good. Um. So I'm going to go with On Mars, personally, because Scythe has dropped out of my top 100 over the years. Uh, maybe it would be fixed by playing Fenris. I don't know. I have it. Maybe someday I'll get to it. But for me, it's On Mars. Yeah, both great games. I, like you said, I don't like that final mechanic. The only thing I will say about Fenris, because it does give you 
multiple options to kind of end the game. There's like modules where like one is, I don't know, there's a certain number of turns, which is like obvious or certain conditions for, you know, to end the game. I like that. It, it, it fits a lot better. Uh, I'm going to go with Scythe. So let's leave it up to our listeners, Anthony. All right. So this is another case of like, no one has played the game I like. So oh. <laughs> actually, I think it actually dinged you both times. So this time it's dinging me. Um, we had 85% of the voters chose Scythe. So Scythe moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up we have number eight, Arkham Horror LCG versus number nine, Kanban EV. And I, I did bucket in original Kanban with EV here. Okay. So the gas guzzling version and the environmentally friendly version? Yeah, it's a hybrid. <laughs> it really is. Uh, Arkham Horror LCG is a brilliant LCG. Um, I have everything for it until they started repackaging it all. And I really didn't get very far. And it's just the theme is a barrier for me. The game is brilliant. The storytelling is brilliant. The solo mode is brilliant. I just didn't really gel with the theme enough to keep going. And then Marvel Champions came out, which I did gel with. So I started buying that instead. Um, So brilliant game. I love it. It was in my top 100 for a while, but it just dropped off because I don't play it. Kanban IV is one of Lacerda's better games. Um, mm-hmm. They're all very good, but this is in the top half for sure. And I don't have as much trouble getting this back to the table as on Mars because it all kind of flows a little more intuitively just based mm-hmm. on how it's laid out and what you're actually doing. Sure. So uh, I'm going to go with Kanban AV. Yeah, again, this is really hard because the LCG whole, I mean, again, it's a whole genre for Fantasy Flight and they've made so many IPs that I like so much more than the Arkham Harbor. And yet this is the best. Again, I know that there's another one coming. Star Wars is coming out now. So I don't know what's going to happen, but that being said, I think that's the best storytelling thematic version of the LCG. And I think it really embodies what the LCG was always meant to embody. Uh, that being said, Kanban EV is just a brilliant Lacerda game through and through. So I'm going to go with Kanban and it's many, many versions on the, you know, market. Yep. All right. All right. So Kanban moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have number five, Grand Austria Hotel versus number 12, Agricola. <laughs> you want to make this quick? Agricola. It's the best. It's, it's one of the best uh, Uwe Rosenberg games of all time. It is, you know, feed your family. You never feel like pressure in a game like you do with Agricola. Uh, the card decks are amazing. It does take a little time to learn them. If you don't know the card decks, you're going to have a bad day because if someone else does, they're going to kind of crush you. But in some ways, in some places, it is the quintessential uh, worker placement game. Yeah, but it's mean. I don't like it. Is it is mean. It's I very don't like mean. it. Um, you know, the funny part, too, is I actually own a copy of this now because the local store when I was leaving Pittsburgh had like a used one with a few of the decks in it. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll own nice. it because I collect things like that. And I'm like, it's on my shelf. And I turn and I see it. I'm like, why do I have that there? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I love Grand Austria Hotel. I don't, I agree with you on the problems that it has in terms of the deck, but they never bothered me as much. And with all the expansion stuff and the solo mode, I really, really enjoy it. And I don't like Agricola very much. So Grand Austria for me. All right. Let's leave it up to our listeners, Anthony. What do they say? All right. So the listeners, and this is closer than I thought it would be. Um, I thought it would be easily Agricola. It is 
still Agricola, but only with 56% of the moat. So I guess that new expansion from Grand Austria helped it a bunch. Agricola moves on to the next round. All right, number four, here's Dune Imperium. There you go. Uh, against number 13, uh, I didn't even know this was up here. This is great, uh, Sagrada. Ooh. Yeah, again, both great games. And both really try very hard to connect thematically with what you're doing. And Sagrada does a great job of that. Uh, Doom Imperium obviously does a, I would say, a very good job. I wouldn't say necessarily a great job of it, but the expansions do, you know, push it a little bit more. So I'm going to go with Doom Imperium. I agree. Yeah. Um, Like pre-expansions, I I might have gone Sagrada, but post-expansions... Both of those expansions are brilliant. Um, yes. We haven't reviewed Immortality yet. It's coming up here in a, in a few weeks, but just so, so good. Uh, and Sagrada, still great, but it's the same game no matter how much content you add to it. So It's Dune true. Exactly. All right. So Dune Imperium moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, number three, the number one game of all time, according to Board Game Geek users, Brass Birmingham. Wait a minute. I'm going to hold on a second. I have to download still... that. No, yeah. wait, wait, wait. One. Give that a one. Give, give gloomy. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. All right, all right. Uh, <laughs> and up against number 14, Marvel Legendary. Oh, there you I, go. This is easy for me. I love Birmingham. I don't like Legendary. So. <laughs> I like Legendary. I, I have fond memories from our myriad days of playing Legendary. It does have that weird mechanic where it's a co-op, but then one person wins. <laughs> and you're just yeah, like, Yeah, that's ah. dumb. And I think a lot of people don't play it. I think it's just people, people ignore that. I, I, I would say... Again, making the choice here is a little challenging, but I think when you play Legendary and it has like endless expansions, which is amazing, but some games you play, you're going to blow out the computer or the AI or, you know, the deck. And then some games you're just going to get blown out by and there's nothing you could do about it. And while I accept that for Pandemic, I don't really find that very enjoyable or understandable or meaningful in that game. So yes, Brass, Brass is Brass throughout, throughout. That's why it's the number one, and Brass moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have number six, Azul. Uh, and again, all the versions of Azul here. Oh, the Azuls. All the Azuls versus it's like a number Voltron. 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when their powers combine. That's I don't right. think I included Queen's Garden, actually, because there was don't a couple votes for that, but it's not really the same game. It's so. not the same game. It's uh, the Mario 2 of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Doki Doki Panic, Azul. That's right. Uh, <laughs> So we've got Azul, uh, not including Doki Doki Panic, versus <laughs> number 11, Gaia Project, Terra Mystica 2.0. What do you think? Uh, uh, um, Gaia Project mechanically is the better version of Terra Mystica, and yet Terra Mystica is always the one I want to play. Yeah. I guess because thematically it just, it just feels better. It's going to be Azul. Okay. It's just going to be, again, it doesn't make any kind of rational sense. Yeah. (laughs) But it's just with, you know, with Terra Mystica hanging out there, just looking super cool. I'm just like, yeah, I'd rather ride ride with, with, uh, you know, Terra Mystica. Yeah. This is one of those ones, like we talked about board game sequels last week, where this came out and I'm like, oh, this is obviously better than Terra Mystica. It is. This is what we're doing going forward, right? I love it. It's (laughs) one of my top, I think it's in my top 15. And yet, there's no new content for it. Nope. And 
they continue to develop stuff for Terra Mystica. They, they do solo expansion, which solves one of the reasons why I like Gaia Project better. They have a lighter version of it. They had the the merchants and the seaports one mm-hmm. expansion released, and I guess they're working on a new version of Terra Mystica that like integrates a lot of the Gaia Project ideas. Ooh, so that's it. That's it. It's over. I know. So I get, they must not have sold very many, but I love it. I'm just sad that no one else agrees. <laughs> so it's it I'm really is a better game. It really is a better yeah. game. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Gaia Project. I love it. It's my favorite version of this formula, mm-hmm. um, even if, you know, the company making it doesn't agree with me. All right. So that leaves up to our listeners, Anthony. What do they say? All right. Our listeners voted uh, 55% for Azul. All right. So guess what? Azul moves on. And All Gaia right, Project uh, is not forgotten. I know. And Terra Mystic is not even in our bracket. What? So, <laughs> I know. The listeners like it better, too, apparently. There you go. So, Good job, listeners. I'm sorry we didn't make the game. You're the best. Uh, All right. Next up, number seven, Carcassonne versus number 10, Munchkin. I could not care less. (laughs) I have no horse in this race at all. What do you think? (laughs) I mean, again, these are both like, they're not gateway games. I mean, I guess they're gateway games. They're they're gateway games. They're gateway games as far as like gamers are concerned. But like, these are the first games that you trip over when you're in like a Barnes and Noble. (laughs) You're just like, they have games here? And you're like, oh yeah, Carcassonne and Munchkin. And you're at the time, you're like, oh my god, it's Carcassonne and Munchkin. And then later on, you're like, oh, it's Carcassonne and Munchkin. <laughs> <laughs> again, if it, again, putting both these games at the table, both are kind of opposites in some ways. Carcassonne is as flat and themeless as it comes. I know there's like crazy number of expansions that if you bought them all, it would cost you several hundred dollars to do mm-hmm. so. And it's been around forever. But Munchkin, even though it's dumb, it's still a lot of fun. And it's it's the most thematic of thematic kind of games just because the artwork is thematic. The gameplay is not necessarily thematic. It's just you knock a thing, you fight a thing, you throw a bunch of stuff at it, and that that's the game. But yeah, I, I mean, I own both of these. Yeah, I'd rather play Munchkin. Ah, uh, Munchkin. How I loathe thee. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I I don't think I've ever had a good experience playing Munchkin. Um, I have had a couple good experiences playing Carcassonne. Most of, most of the time, it's forgettable, but I have had a couple right. good ones. So I'm going to vote for Carcassonne just based on the fact that it's not Munchkin. Um, I know I'm being mean, but I'm sorry. It's just well, so well, you, see. Ironically, you're doing the Munchkin thing. Oh, I am. Cool. <laughs> nice. Well, let's uh, see what let's see if our listeners do do the Munchkin thing. Oh my gosh, they do. Eighty nine percent for Carcassonne. <laughs> <laughs> So when Anthony wasn't looking, they stole this round and Munchkin moves on to the next round. Oh, wait, no, that's backwards. (laughs) All right. uh, Number two, Spirit Island versus number 15, Kemet. Oh, no. Yeah, this is a matchup. This is is not good. (laughs) There's no winner in this. Yeah. Um, I'll kick off. Spirit Island. I don't want any part of this, bro. Okay, okay. So Spirit Island is subversive, right? I love I love that it does that because no games do that effectively. <laughs> Increasingly, we're getting games that attempt it, right? But this is the first game that like hit mass appeal being like, I'm going to subvert expectations in an interesting way that tells a story and engages the the players in a conversation. It's actually, rhetorically, it's doing something interesting. Mm. Um, as a writing teacher, that's just, there's nothing cooler than that, right? Sure. There's some other games that do it, but none of them have done it to such a great scale, right? Commercial success. Um, Kemet, on the other hand, is 
one of the best dudes on a map games out there with all the, you know, the updates and changes in blood and sand. We have just this very tightly, very compact and interesting example of a game where you throw dudes on a map and they kill each other. Um, but the thing about Kemet is it's, it's a very, it's a particular mindset you need to be in. You want to be, you want to be in the mindset of, I want to attack people because you have to in that game. You also need to be in the mindset of not taking it personally, right? Um, Spirit Island is a cooperative game. So the mindset here is really, you just have to be okay with a heavy, crunchy game, uh, which you would know before you sat down. So I'm going to go with Spirit Island because I feel like it's more accessible. I can play it by myself and I have many times and they keep expanding on it and adding new stuff that just gives depth instead of complexity. Um, Kemet is like a perfectly polished thing and I love it. Uh, but Spirit Island is the game I would keep if I had to get rid of one. I mean, they're both great games. It's really hard to pick. And both of them do kind of the same thing that I love, which is have a unique way of playing the game that is for me. So when I play Spirit Island, like you said, as far as mindsets are concerned, what I was thinking about, Anthony, was you could play a spirit that's more defensive or creates more fear or more aggressive or just more supportive of the other spirits in play or... And then you have Kemet, which allows you to pick up those different tiles and build up your own little civilization and, and attack in order to kind of like really boost up your troops on a map. And the, the most recent, I think is Blood and Sand, is the definitive kind of version of it after they got out of their own way with those kind of expansions. So... <sighs> They both do a thing, but I think I think you won me over here, Anthony. I think the storytelling for Spirit Island is just better. Yeah. So Spirit Island moves on to the next round. All right. So from that bracket, we have Scythe, Kanban EV, Agricola, Dune Imperium, Brass Birmingham, Azul, Carcassonne, and Spirit Island. All moving on. Uh, next up, our final bracket quadrant uh, sector uh, for this episode. <laughs> we have the Midwest. Uh, number one, Wingspan versus number 16, Suburbia. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Why don't you take that one? Oh, what do I got to take it? What are you doing? You got to take that one. All right, fine. You get, um, you get, the, you get the hate mail. <laughs> yeah, I get the hate mail. Okay. Um, <laughs> the thing is, if we split on this, we all know where it's going. Because there's no way the... I haven't checked yet, but there's no way that the voters did not pick Wingspan. Um Wingspan is a good game. I like... Well, it's not a spoiler because I don't know. I'm just guessing. Oh, okay. But I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Wingspan's a great game. I, I enjoy it. I still own it. I have two of the expansions. I didn't get the third one. Um, and, you know, there's elements of it that I find frustrating at times. Uh, certain combos, certain layouts. And that's just what happens in a card game like that. Suburbia is my ultimate city building game. And I grew up playing city building games um, on the computer. So having a board game version of that, where I can build out this amazing tableau and draw on all this different content, especially with the collector's edition, which admittedly I don't play very often, but it has everything and all these different ways to engage with and make points. You know, ironically, you have two different tableau builders here that take very different tactics to get there. And for me, if you put them both out and set them up for me and said, what do you want to play right now? I would almost always go with Suburbia. As much as I like Wingspan and would play it second, uh, I would go with Suburbia. 
both games do the do their theme and do their theme best and thematically do their theme best. They're the best at what they do. I, I guess obviously that's the, sh- the quick way. They're both the best at what they do. If I have to play one at the table, and and recently Anthony we we played a game at the table that we haven't reviewed yet, but we will. It reminded me of Suburbia, and a lot of games remind me of Suburbia. And Suburbia is still the best game of all of the games that kind of do this, with maybe one exception, which we'll talk about soon. If I have both games at the table, it's Suburbia, Anthony. Oh, the the easy upset. We don't even have to go to the listeners. Let's see. <laughs> Was I right? Oh, yeah. 85% of the voted for Wingspan. <laughs> all right. Uh, Suburbia moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have number eight, Mage Knight versus number nine, Through the Ages. Oh, this one's hard for me. You go. All right. Uh, again, Mage Knight is the solo game gaming. And yet, Through the Ages, in a lot of ways, is still the Civilization game. It was the number one game, I think, at 1.2. So it's going to be Through the Ages for me. It just, again, somewhat of the quintessential kind of Civ building game. I, I don't think there has been another Civ building game that's better than it, at least mechanically. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be that. Yeah, this this one's really hard. Um I've played these games probably equally in terms of play counts. They're both from Vlada Shavadal, mm-hmm. who's a, a brilliant designer. He knows um, this game. The re- I'm going to pick Mage Knight. And the reason why is that Through the Ages is, like everything you said is true, right? It's the best Civ game. I love Civ games. Mm-hmm. But I don't play this at the table. Sure. Right? I play it on the app. So yes. it, it doesn't even really feel like a board game to me. Understood. Because it's... Yeah, playing playing it physically just hasn't happened. It takes too long. It's a big setup, right? It's a lot of tracking. Mage Knight is a game that the only way to play it is at the table, and it really works quite well at the table because it's tactical. You're building at a map. You're moving along the map. You're uncovering things. Um, I actually played this with somebody about a month ago, uh, and it went really well. Like It's longer, of course, when you play with two people, but it, it was a fun experience, just as fun as playing solo. So I'm going to go with Mage Knight. All right, so it leads up to our listeners. All right, so the listeners here, um, for probably obvious reasons, I, you know, it's more accessible. There is a great app. Um, they have chosen Through the Ages, which I'm okay with. I still like that game. All right, Through the Ages moves on to the next round. Um, all right, we got a really easy one here for us. Number five, Underwater Cities versus number 12, Cthulhu, Death May Die. Underwater Cities. Yeah. My favorite, Suchi. Yeah, um, same. It's it's a brilliant game. It is still, in my opinion, the best of these build a tableau with cards games because it manages to balance the cards in the decks, which other games don't even seem to try to do. So it's this one by a long shot. And, and ironically, both games are underwater games, or at least that's where Cthulhu starts. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't have thought of that, but yeah, you're right. So maybe the Underworld Cities awakens Cthulhu. I don't, I don't know. There's an expansion in the future. I'll let you guys work on it. Okay. Okay. I mean, we got Kemet's got a Cthulhu expansion. So <laughs> Underworld Cities, it's, 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 it's bound to happen. Yeah. All right. Underworld Cities moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have number four, Marvel Champions versus number 13, Obsession. Well, Anthony, I'm obsessed with Obsession because it does work replacement. It does tableau building. It's got a really cool theme, and the expansion kind of tightens that up to the next level. Unfortunately, sadly, 
depending on how you look at it, have not played Marvel Champions. So really, this comes down to you. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with everything you said about Obsession. I think it's a brilliant game. Um, uh, the expansions add even more depth to it. It's a very interesting experience that I would gladly sit down and play. Uh, but Marvel Champions has become my favorite uh, of the LCGs, of the deck builders. Like, I still own my Lord of the Rings stuff. I still have some of the Arkham stuff. But this is the only one I actually play. Sure. Um, every new hero deck is a new puzzle to try to solve. Every yeah. new... Uh, expansion box they release it's a new campaign to run through which is what i always wanted from these things give me a campaign that's self-contained that i can run through in a weekend and then tackle with different heroes which is what i can do here like you have three or four bad guys and you run sure. through the different hero combination to see how it works and it's just addictive um and mechanically they've really upped their game since those initial releases which were fine but not great but now they're just brilliant uh, the x-men stuff in particular has been fantastic so I'm going to go with Marvel Champions. All right. That leaves it up to our listeners, Anthony. All right. So the listeners here, very, very narrow, um, a one vote difference. They chose Marvel Champions. All right. Marvel Champions moves on to the next round. Okay. Um, We got two plant-based games here. Number three, (laughs) Viticulture uh, versus number 14, Parks. Ooh. That's a tight game there, too. Again, I, I, I'm not a fan of the end mechanic for Viticulture. Like, really not a fan of that. Yeah. <laughs> but the game itself is is pretty amazing. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Viticulture. Same. Yeah. I This is, of, of all of Stegmeier's games, this is the one that I would be most willing to sit down and play again yeah. at any given point in time. Because everything about it is just a lot of fun. It's a really smart, clever, interesting thematic uh, thematic yeah, yeah. replacement game. And if you have those upgrades from the essential edition, which they all kind of come in the game now, so there's not really a point in talking about it. Um, it, it just, it's really, really well polished. It took a while to get there, but they got it there. Parks is great. It's pretty. It's very simple. It's like Takedo simple. So yeah. Viticulture for me as well. All right. Viticulture moves on to the next round. All right, number six, we have Clank in all its many iterations. Um, same as Pandemic, I included everything here except for Legacy, because that feels like a separate thing. And then number 11, Lorenzo Di Magnifico. Oof. So. The, it would be Lorenzo immediately if it wasn't for that last expansion. I think it really hurt mm. the game. And that video game is is like the worst board game video game I've ever played. I'm okay ignoring it. I I even took the cards out of the box. So we're saying those those are not canon, is what you're saying? Yeah, those, those are legend. Yeah, it's it's the episode nine of Lorenzo did <laughs> It exists. We all saw it. We don't have to watch it again. Um, so yeah, I, I Lorenzo to me is still brilliant with that first expansion and with mm-hmm. all the the sure leader cards that do exist. So if you take out all the take that stuff that they added at the end, which I don't think makes the game better at all. Um, it's still one of the better Euros out there. Clank is fine. It's fun, but I've never been a diehard Clank fan. Just similar to like Dominion. It's just like, I want more there. Sure. I want more on to happen on the board and it just doesn't. Um, so Lorenzo for me. Yeah, I think, and you reminded me, I think the first expansion for Lorenzo is probably, and maybe we'll do this one day. I, th- I think we, we've done similar things to this nature, but like, I think it's one of the best expansions of all time just because it doesn't necessarily save the game. Lorenzo, the base game is a great game, but it just makes the game so much better with that 
early bidding in the families and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm going with Lorenzo. So right. Lorenzo Il Manifico moves on to the next round. All right. Uh, next up, we have number seven, Lords of Waterdeep. Heard of it. Going up against number 10, Splendor. Lords of Waterdeep, my friend. Lords of yeah. Waterdeep. I mean, Splendor is Splendor, but Lords of Waterdeep. I mean, again, if, if it's going to be that weight kind of competition, Lords of Waterdeep just does it better. Yeah. This is one of those games that I hadn't really thought about much in recent years until, you know, we sat down to review Age of Heroes. Yes. Um, first playing it at PAX and then reviewing it over the last couple of weeks. So I was like, oh, that's right. I do really like that game. And, oh, that's right. With the expansion, it's really, really good. And so I've been playing it on my iPad which I hadn't done in a long time. And I was like, I really enjoy this. Um, <laughs> Splendor is, yeah, I don't enjoy Splendor at the table. Um, iPad wise, if you're doing the challenges and stuff, it's fine, but we're not reviewing digital games. We're reviewing physical ones and uh, Lords of Waterdeep for me as well. All right. Lords of Waterdeep moves on to the next round. All right. And then our last matchup, last but not least, we have the once in future King, potentially <laughs> um, Gloomhaven. Versus number 15, Teotihuacan. Teotihuacan is, again, it's one of those games that surprisingly has become a modern day classic. I think it's getting a super deluxe edition on Mm -hmm. Kickstarter soon. And it's just earned its place as the top T game, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So of all the T games, it's the top of the T's. Gloomhaven's fine. Gloomhaven's not a bad game. It's it's just it's a lot of the same. And I think I think if you're gonna go if you're gonna go games that bring you to the table or or at the table, I think once you played one or two games of Gloomhaven, you've kind of seen it. It's hard. I feel like if we'd done this bracket two or three years ago, we both would have said Gloomhaven without hesitation. Yeah. Uh, this game was in my top ten for a while. And it's just, I haven't played it in forever, and I don't want to. I kind of burned out on it um, early, too. I didn't finish a campaign. I think I got 20 or 30 in, and I'm like, I'm good. I don't really want to play this again, and I haven't since. Which isn't an indictment of the game. Like, if you enjoy that gameplay enough, then awesome. Go for it. Um, but, you know, you have Frosthaven now, which does more. It, it iterates on it. Uh, I think it's still a brilliant way to solve the problem of the dungeon crawler, which was always based on dice and therefore too random for a lot of people. Um, It's much more tactical. It's much more engaging. It's much more interesting. But it is, you've said this before, it's just, it's a lot of combat puzzles over and over again. It doesn't do as much as you would like with the stuff outside of combat. And I got bored. Um, Whereas Teo is, yeah, it's a top 10 Euro for me. Um, Especially when you throw in some of that expansion content. Like some of the better leader cards and asymmetrical powers I've seen in a game because it'll make you super powerful in one way and hamstring you in another. So it really forces you in a direction that if you fight it, you will struggle. So it's not just like, here's a really cool power. What are you going to do with it? It's like, here's a cool power. But in exchange for that cool power, you're going to get dinged every time you do this other thing. So you have to balance it. It's all about balance. Um, so I, I, I love Teotihuacan. Uh, I know everybody out there is. I guess this tells us everybody where we're at with the brass versus Gloomhaven argument, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to go tail tail. Same here. Tail right. moves on to the next round. All right. And so that is our, apparently our upset bracket. Um, we have suburbia through the ages, underwater cities, Marvel champions, viticulture, Lorenzo di Magnifico, Lords of Waterdeep and Teotihuacan moving on. Um, 
the number one and two seed are out of that bracket. Ooh, somebody must have downloaded those. Yeah. <laughs> Not us. We don't do that. It's a no, dumb no. thing to do. Don't do it. <laughs> All right, everyone. So that's our episode, but stick with us for the next episode. It'll be more of a regular episode, but we will wrap up the March Bracket Madness. And again, we're talking about all of your top 64 games. So check with us. The contest comes to an end and we'll have a great time. Until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. See ya.